These are the Keishi Tapes. You, Man, and Favaz explore the backstories and interviews heard on Keishi, the longest-running rock station in the country. Keishi Tapes, episode 84. I'm John Hewlett with Favaz. Hello, John. Today we have a Favaz interview that he did with Tom Hamilton of Aerosmith. Yes, Tom Hamilton, uh, the bass player from Aerosmith, uh, has had tongue cancer, I guess it is, mm-hmm. um, has, is recovered. Um, he's lost a lot of weight. He looks really, really skinny. Mm-hmm. In fact, he looks like a, kind of like a, like Chucky, mm-hmm. you know, from the movies, Chucky. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, kind of weird. Um, this interview, I have no idea what year it was. They were still calling it Riverport Amphitheater. So it might've been, you know, late nineties, something yeah. like that. But it was when Aerosmith had come into town and I've seen them a number of times and, um, they made him available. So mm-hmm. I took the chance, and we have this on digital audio tape or a DAT, and uh, we don't do many interviews with that. And um, saw we had this one today. I was like, let's do that one. So I don't remember too many interviews with Tom Hamilton on the radio station over all the years. Yeah. I know we've done Joe Perry before. I've never interviewed Steven Tyler. Have you? I met him on the field at Bush Stadium and talked to him, but I don't believe I interviewed him that day. Yeah, I no. met him too, but I've yeah. never interviewed him. No, so. no. Um, yeah, so it's Joe Perry or Tom Hamilton, and uh, today we have Hamilton. Here we go. All right. Hey, everybody. It's Favaz backstage, Riverport Amphitheater, with uh, Tom Hamilton, bass player from Aerosmith, and it is a pleasure and an honor to meet you, Tom. It's really awesome to be here, too. From what I hear, the show is sold out, and we're psyched. What can we say? Aerosmith, uh, many times in St. Louis. Uh, I want to put you on the spot right off the bat. Do you have any early memories of St. Louis at all that... Uh, that come to mind, maybe a, a venue or a gig you had or something like that? I remember playing with this band called Angel uh-huh. back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. The same ones? Yes. Did they wear the white outfits? They were, uh, yeah. yeah, it was. And you know why Angel wore white? Why? Because they were on uh, Casablanca Records, which was also Kiss's record label, and Gene Simmons told Casablanca, uh, hey, we're, we wear the black, and uh, you know that, that's a. Wow! If you're going to sign these guys, make them wear white. Oh, that's so, funny. So nobody would get us confused. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Two of the original members, including the lead singer, they just played at a little club on the east side called Pops just about a month and a half ago. Was Punky Meadows in the band? No. Okay, they had a guitar player named Punky Meadows. Yeah, still in the band. And, uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, we had uh, been touring a lot with Kiss back then, and so. Uh, we played with Angel, and you know, instead of the makeup and the and the dark leather, they're like in these white flowing outfits. And we're like, oh, that's okay, that's cool. You know, we'd see these bands and go, hey, what's with us? We don't have a shtick. You know, all we do is like put our jeans on and play. And uh, luckily, we didn't. Yeah, Stevens, your shtick. <laughs> yeah, he's total <laughs> shtick. Yeah. You know, fall tempted to do some kind of ridiculous outfit. So you were opening for them? No, I didn't think so. No. Uh, yeah, they opened for us, I'm pretty sure. I mean, we'd already been out touring. And well, had- he kind of took offense to that, didn't he? Oh, uh, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. He was kind of, to me, to me, he was joking around, but, you know. One of those Boston Jags. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Albums out. I think they were on their first record back then. Yeah, because I'm thinking, man, they were really in the early 70s. No, he doesn't know how to speak did. into a microphone. I don't know. That's weird. Yeah, they. I know he doesn't. Well, I had one, and I was going back and forth with it. So, oh. yeah, that's how you can tell. When I brought up that name, I fully expected you to like not have any idea what I was talking about, and here you are with all this information. So, <laughs> and their big hit was called "The Tower." Do you remember that song? It's a really high-pitched. Uh, I don't know. It's almost like Rush-esque. 
I don't remember. <laughs> anyway, Tom Hamilton from Aerosmith here, and the show is tonight at Riverport sold out. It's been one hell of a year for Aerosmith playing the Super Bowl, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Okay, well, Are you ever there, overwhelmed? There's, there's a clue right there. What year did they right, play the I'm, Super Bowl? I'm, I'm going to look. Aerosmith and the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, and they, and they did a really nice job at the Super Bowl. I remember that. You know. Okay. Uh, uh, 2004? 2004. Yeah, wow. that sounds about right. Yeah. Opening show medley? Yeah. By what you guys have accomplished and the, not only the, the cool stuff you get to do like that, but I mean all the great what? music. They played halftime of the Super Bowl in 2001. Oh, okay. Yeah. 2001. Yeah. 19 years ago. 2001. Well, 9-11 was yet to happen. Yeah. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. You ever sit back and go, I can't, I can't believe it. Yeah, all the time. And, um, you know, that's why when an, when an offer comes in to do the halftime show at the Super Bowl, you know, it's like just to have the phone ring and somebody say that is amazing. So to be able to actually do that and um, be such a big part of it uh, was an amazing feeling. And I get the same feeling every night when we're on stage. We have these giant lights that light up the entire audience, and then we can see all the way to the back of the lawn. And it's, it's just an amazing sight. It looks like an ocean of people. You think we'll ever get a rock band headlining the Super Bowl again? I don't know. The only one that, I, that, that comes to mind is Metallica, you know, and they should. Yeah. I think, you know. Um, other I don't than know. them, I, 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 don't, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, even them. I mean, they're, they're a great rock band in, in the world of rock. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows them and respects them and says yes automatically. But outside of rock which is the more larger universe, I don't know that they play well. Right, exactly. So, um, But one com- one just came to mind. If they reunited, they could do it. Who? Led Zeppelin. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. They could. That ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. No way. What idea was it to, um, to put the second stage up in the lawn? Well, we've been kind of toying with that, but um, I think the one that really pushed the band into doing it was Joe which is usually true. He's usually the one that comes up with outlandish ideas, and we all kind of stand around and go, I don't know, man, what about this and what about that? And he says, I don't know, let's just try it. And that's kind of how we did it. It's pretty insane. Once we get up there, uh, it's like, you know, the time machine thing. It's like a 70s audience. We're on a tiny little stage like we used to play when we first started. We're surrounded by... uh, Screaming people in clouds of pot smoke, and you know, we play the, the old songs, and it's a blast. It's kind of insane getting up and back, though. We get we get groped like the whole way. Well, I was going to ask you, have you had any problems so far on this tour, getting back there at all, or anything? Anything funky happen? So many people grope us. It's like by the time we get there, we've had sex three times. <laughs> but bump. Is that a problem? <laughs> Depends on what pants I'm wearing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So with all the cool stuff that that you guys have done this year, what haven't you done? that you would like to do? Is there is there one thing or maybe one place you haven't played or, or one event you haven't played or is there... Have you been to the White House? Yes, we've been there. As a matter been of, there, done that. We were at the White House getting a tour uh, the day that Clinton was impeached. Hmm. And we were standing around outside and over sort of across the lawn we could see all the reporters gathering for him to come out on the, uh, you know, in the Rose Garden and talk about it or whatever. And uh, the, the Secret Service guys were saying, oh, yeah, you get a great view. You can go right up behind the cameras and check it out. And about five minutes later, they came back and said, come on, guys, we have to go over here. And they took us into a different building and down into the basement. <laughs> so it was definitely like a, uh, 
you know, somebody said, we can't have these, like, degenerate rock stars around here when the president is getting impeached for lying about getting a BJ from an intern. <laughs> like, thanks a lot. You know, we always feel like the country cousins that nobody wants around. If anybody should have been there, it should have been a rock band. It's yeah. probably gotten yeah. many of those from many of the uh, interns, yes. <laughs> you know what's funny about him? Um, I don't detect a Boston accent. No, I don't either. Which no. is really weird. And he, from... From what I know, I thought all of them were from Boston. Yeah, that's the what Boston I thought, area. too. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. Did you get to meet him that day? Uh, no, we didn't. No, we did not. So we really planning on it, we, but we thought we'd see more of the White House. We kind of saw the first floor, and then the next thing we know, we're in a basement somewhere. So uh, getting back, though, is, is can you think of something? I think I might have gotten a better tour of the White House than those guys. I was in the West Wing. I was. At, you were? Well, I was in the West Wing. I was in the Oval Office. For you? Did I know My, this? I Why? don't know. Why were you there? Well, I'll tell the story. Um, <clears throat> George Bush came to Bush Stadium in 2004. Uh, no. Yeah, I guess it was 2004 to throw out a first pitch. 2003, uh-huh. maybe. I remember. I was at that home yeah. opener. Okay. And uh, I mean, I'm the PA announcer at Bush Stadium, for people who may not know that. And uh, they had a Secret Service guy, a White House representative, in the booth with me. Mm-hmm. Just in case, I guess, if I decide to open the microphone and, you know, say something derogatory, who knows? But uh, they had somebody positioned right there with me. Not to tell me what to say, other than all you're supposed to ever say when you introduce the president is, ladies and gentlemen, the president of the United States. That's, That's it. it. That's it. That's it. So uh, that person happened to be from St. Louis. Dave was his name. Oh. And he told me, uh, hey, if you ever come to, to Washington, D.C., you want a really good tour of the White House and get you into the West Wing and everything, I'm your guy. Wow. He said, it's amazing how many people I'll say that to and they don't even bother. I said, well, you just said it to somebody who's going to take you up on it. Yeah. And it happened. Wow, that's neat. Yeah, that's it was really in, cool. I was in the Roosevelt Room, the the cabinet room. Wait a minute, you, and you were in the Oval Office. I put, I was in the, they wouldn't let me go in the office, but I was yeah. in the doorway and I leaned and in, and I was there. Anybody around. in there? Nobody was in there. No, nobody it was, was in there. It was Thanksgiving weekend, two thousand four, I think it was. Wow! And so the president was out of town. This was George Bush at the time, obviously. Yeah, he threw yeah. up the pitch. And so, um, uh, yeah. And as a matter of fact, I got, I got uh, disciplined by a security guy who was sitting in the hallway outside the Oval Office. What did you do? Well, first I, I put my foot in the. I put one foot into the Roosevelt room, uh-huh. and I took it back out. I said, hey, I was in the Roosevelt room. <laughs> to my children. I was with my wife and my daughters. Okay. I go to the cabinet room. I do the same thing. That guy sees it. He says, you do that again, you're out of here. Wow. Yeah, in front of my kids. It was kind of embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> so when I got to the Oval Office, I just leaned in and looked around. I didn't yeah, put my foot uh, in that's there. That's funny. Yeah. That's great. Oh, by the way, Tom Hamilton, born in Colorado Springs, Colorado. There's your answer. So that's why he's uh, why why we can't detect a Boston accent. Yeah. Fan hmm. that you haven't done any anything you haven't conquered yet. Well, we haven't played in Thailand. We haven't played in um, Russia. And you don't want to play in Russia, pyramids, dude. Stay out of there. I wonder if you, they have since. Everybody plays in front of the pyramids. Um, last night, uh, Joey and I were out at a club, and we met this um, this woman who was a classical pianist from Vietnam. And we were talking, you know, we were just talking all about music and stuff. And uh, I was telling her how how badly I'd love to come to Vietnam and play, just for the, the irony, the historical irony of that, you know. And uh, 
hopefully it'll happen someday. Um, I get that, you know, by, I get that I mean, feeling well he's talking about, about the historical uh, irony of it, <clears throat> and just wanting to see what Vietnam was like, because when I was a kid growing up, you know, we watched that war unfurl on national television. It was the first t- TV war, really. Right. And I remember being a little kid being scared to death that I was heading right for that that horrible situation. And and so I, I grew up in fear of the Vietnamese people in sure. Vietnam. And then when it all ended and everything, and I, as I got older, I thought to myself, man, I would... I'd like to go back. I'd like to go there and see that and tour that and, and you know, just, yep. I don't know. You know why I want to go there? Why? Because of Anthony Bourdain. Oh, I used really? to watch yeah. that show all the time, and that was like the favorite, his favorite country to visit. Mm. And uh, just the, uh, the the food is is just one yeah. reason to go. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. So, yeah. yeah. That you've had sometimes in the studio, the guys, I guess, mainly Joe and Steven, maybe, or is it, or is it a collective fight in the old days when it was, when, when that stuff would happen? Uh, it was pretty much everybody, you know, it was like, I'm the kind of person that gets sucked into an argument so easy. I'm just a sucker. You know, a lot of people know when to just like dodge it and don't get caught up in it, but I, I just take the bait every time. So, so on this one, is, was it easier? Did you, did you argue as much or, or, or what is it, what was it like to record just push play? No, it was um, it was really smooth. As a matter of fact, I, it was kind of spooky. There was a point where I was just thinking, you know, how long can this last? And it was because it was really an album that we did at our own pace with our own priorities. And, uh, you know, we really keep our ears open to input from the record company and input from our friends and people we respect. But this time we really wanted to have, like, a, a period where uh, it was just the creative process without any interference from, you know, the career planners and all that kind of stuff. So that was the album that uh, had come out, Just Push Play. That was a good song. Yeah, it was a good I song. I remember that. Yeah. 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 Um, it's a song that's kind of starting to fade away, and you're not hearing it much anymore. But right. uh, I think it was a pretty successful song for him, too, wasn't mm-hmm. it? I think so. Was that the only uh, real well-known song that came off that album? There might have been one more. I'll yeah. look. Okay, you look. And the, it started to be a really productive process, so we just kind of kept it going step by step. I mean, we figured at some point, Somebody would probably come in and say, you know, it doesn't sound good. You should get a proper producer and do this, go to New York, spend ten grand a day in a studio. Um, but we just kept going. I mean, we definitely had competent people in there, you know, recording it and stuff. But it just turned into its own process, and, you know, we're happy with what came out of it. You know, that's you know, before you get to what you're mm-hmm. going to talk about here, Flavaz, the ridiculous um, rates that recording studios charged yeah and now you see with technology that we have here people can do in their homes do it in your garage what those studios yeah. were charging bands to come in and do that is ridiculous yeah back then they could yeah you they know? could they didn't you didn't have any really have any options i guess so right. they kind of had a captive audience or a captive customer you were gonna say something about the album uh there was a bigger song oh, okay just push play uh-huh Jaded. Yeah, great song. Yep. We're talking to Tom Hamilton, bass player from Aerosmith, sold out show here at Riverport tonight. And how much longer, not so much longer you keep making music. I think you guys could do that forever. But how much longer can you keep going out on the road and supporting each record? Because you guys are road dogs. We just got back from a meet and greet. You guys meet people. There's so many bands now, young bands too, that that just don't want to meet their fans. You guys continually do this stuff the whole time. Uh, I mean, is that part still fun for you? I mean, you guys can keep doing that aspect of your life, the road and all that, and meeting people. You can still still seeing yourself doing that for a while? 
Yeah, well, the longer you do this, the more you really experience how paper thin this whole thing is. I mean, it could really blow away quick. It's, uh, you know, I've seen it happen. It's happened to us. I've seen countless bands that, you know, we've toured with that are, that are great bands that do great records and then bang, it's like, what happened to them? Um, I've, lately, a lot of people say, how long can you do it? And I don't like to predict because whatever I say, I'm going to jinx it. So, <laughs> you know, I, I look at it day by day. I'm looking at the show tonight and I'm really looking forward to, to playing tonight. It's a, you know, it's going to be a great crowd and I'm psyched. I mean, Aerosmith is in the running for sure as being the greatest American rock band. Yeah, they're right they're, up there. They're in the running, no mm-hmm. doubt about it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's the quality of their catalog and their, their music that they put together in the 70s and, and 80s, primarily the some 70s, of the, I would say. Some of it in the 90s. So, you know? A little bit in the 90s. Yeah. That is the reason why they didn't just, like he said, you know, just the wind blows and they're gone. Right. Because they... They've got some staying power. That's I mean, right, look at them now. They, you know, they're doing their residency, well, when they could before the COVID thing uh, busted out, but they were doing that thing in, in Vegas yeah, where they would just play, you know, and that's, you know, they're doing residencies now, so. And theirs could have gone away for personal reasons, drug usage, right, things like that, and it mm-hmm. almost did, and they got a second chance. Right. So usually that's the thing that ends up ruining bands mm-hmm. more than anything else boy and it, it came close to taking them out you know yeah. joe perry left for a while uh i think i read steven tyler's book uh which was really really good i mean mm-hmm. he he was fucked up oh. all the time yeah. you know so and has struggled probably up until just recently yeah and who knows what he's doing now he might still be taking something doing yeah. something yeah because he's he's been such a an addict to uh uh what you, what's the the drug uh opioids yeah opioids yeah, yeah. mm-hmm Hamilton of Aerosmith, thank you very much. And uh, any final thoughts on your life or anything like that you just want to tell people? Uh, besides the fact, well, you can't. They're on their way to the show right now. But uh, anything else you just want to add? Uh, if you ever, like, start your own band, don't forget to bring a camera. Because I wish I had had a camera ever since the beginning. And you should probably bring a towel. Yeah. <laughs> words of wisdom from Tom Hamilton. Tom, thanks a, thanks a lot, man. My pleasure. Yeah, words of wisdom for sure. <laughs> Bring a towel. Yeah, and that's not for just sweat. <laughs> well, that was a good interview for Thanks. Boss. You know, yeah. I, I think I remember the meet and greet beforehand. If it was the meet and greet, it was uh it was all five members of Aerosmith. They signed for me um the Aerosmith album cover mm. that has Dream On, so it was first one. And I remember Steven Tyler asking me my name. So he could put my name on it. I, and somebody told me after the fact that so I wouldn't go to sell it. Oh, yeah. That's that's what they do. That's, that's, I didn't know that. Oh, at the really? Time. Oh, at yeah. the time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's that's an automatic anymore with any celebrities. What's your name? Because they know what yeah. you're going to do with it. Right. Cases. So if you have an autograph from back in the day when, say, famous baseball players were just signing their names, mm-hmm. those are much more valuable, obviously, uh, than they than they ever uh, dreamed that they could be. Because it, it it was it it happened during the period when um, there was no anticipation of what was yet to come, you right. know, eBay's and things like right. that. Right. Know? Also, I remember in that meet and greet, my niece was with me. She was eighteen. She was hot, and there was another hot girl. And Steven Tyler couldn't stay away from them. Really, the both of them. Hmm. It was hilarious. I just kind of was, you know, I just kind of stood there and and watched and listened, watched him flirt with them. Uh, it was just really, really funny. I was like, oh, that's why he's Steven Tyler. Yeah. You know, he can do that. So That's, that's with any of those guys, man. I'll tell you, <laughs> even like uh, 
uh, Roger Hodgson, uh, when I when I met him, Learn was with me, you know, yeah. and he's an older guy, right. you know, but even at that at his age and his stage of his life, he didn't want to talk to me. He wanted to talk yeah, to the of girl, of course, yeah. You know? And anytime I've been around girls and and famous people, they didn't they want to talk to the right. girl. Especially yeah. athletes, yeah, you know, and uh, it makes me think of when Steven Tyler was a judge on American Idol. I don't know if you watched him much, but every cute little girl that was on there, man, he was all over. Yeah. It was it was even then. It was just really funny. Yeah, so. it's almost like a sickness for yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> all right, that's episode eighty-four of the Casey Tapes. I'm John Hewlett. You can follow me on Twitter at STLU Man and on Instagram. I'm Johnny Hewlett. Hey, great! I'll follow you. And I am Favaz, AMF. See you later, bye. The KC Tapes with you, man, and Favaz. For more on the history of KC, go to KC95.com or the KC mobile app.